The Bible reading this morning is from the Apostle of John, um, John 15, verse 1 to 17. If you haven't got a Bible or you would like to read one, I use one from the church, it's on the back table over there. John 15, verse 1. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, if I haven't met you, my name's Graham, and it's always a challenge when we have a focus on the persecuted church to think, has a message that's been prepared, will it have the depth that we need? If we were to face that sort of persecution, would this feed us? And I hope that it will. Um, we've read some amazing words, haven't we? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is what we'll be talking about today. It's the essence of spiritual life. And I hope it will whet your appetite and make you hungry for more. Listen to these words and wisdom from generations past. The call of Jesus is come to me to stay with me. His call was not to refresh you for a few short hours after your conversion. 
with the joy of his love and deliverance and then send you forth to wander in sadness and sin. No, he has destined you for something better, a living, abiding relationship with himself where your whole life and every moment of it might be enjoyed in unbroken communion with himself. Do you hunger for something more? For a life on this earth where you live and work and play in the presence of the Lord. Where all your waking and sleeping hours are lived in open fellowship with him. This is what we'll be exploring today. Now today is episode three in a short series on the way of Jesus. So let's do a quick recap. What have we seen and heard so far? Jesus gives us this series of invitations to live, to live a life of worship. We looked at John 1 and the invitation, come and see the glory of Jesus. It's a life of discipleship. We looked at Matthew 11, come and learn the way of the master. Today we'll be learning about a life of abiding fellowship from John 15. Come and stay in the presence of the Lord. And next, in a couple of weeks' time, a life of abiding partnership from John 21. And the invitation to go and serve. So today our invitation is to come and stay, to consider what it means to live day by day and moment by moment and hour by hour with the Lord. To abide to remain, to stay, to dwell with him. And we'll be exploring the wonderful parable of the vine and the branches that we hear about in John 15. If you remain in me and I in you, we will bear fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, it would be ironic for us to consider, apart from me, you can do nothing without praying and asking him for help. We'll pray a few times during the message, but let's stop and pray now. Lord God, you tell us that apart from you, we are nothing. And so we're gathered here this morning to renew our faith, to be strengthened. We pray that you would speak. We pray that you would reveal truth to us and that you would do that work inside of us that we cannot do for ourselves. Please move us that we would walk in the way of Jesus. Amen. One thing that our brother Jason mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago was this. One of the reasons why we find death so difficult is that it separates us from our idols, from those things that captured our hearts during our life on this earth. At death, we cannot take anything with us, and we cannot take any person with us. Death is that ultimate and final separation from all of our earthly loves and idols. But Jason helped us see that a believer's relationship with the Lord is the one relationship of all our relationships that death does not break. The believer is with the Lord in the body, and then with the Lord in glory. 
Seeing this truth should motivate us to separate from our earthly idols now. Why invest any more time in things that will not endure? Why not invest now in the one relationship that will continue, unbroken and last into eternity? And not just to connect occasionally with the Lord when we have a spare moment or once a week as we gather. But what if we reorientated our daily and hourly rhythms to walk with the Lord in every aspect of our life? What would that type of relationship with the Lord look like? Let's have a look at a few examples. Let's consider Mary, the sister of Martha, and the story in Luke 10. She so ordered her life that when the Lord Jesus visited her home, she was free to give him undivided attention, to sit with him in stillness of soul and listen and enjoy everything that, she, that he shared with her. Compare that to the frenetic busyness of her sister Martha. Are you tired of a distracted and scattered life, chasing after many things, none of which will ultimately satisfy or endure? How might you reorder your life to ensure times of undivided attention to the Lord? Let's consider Enoch, whose epitaph was he walked with God. The emphasis here is being on, in God's presence in all of the rhythms of earthly life. Just consider Enoch's life over his 365 years as he lived out God's commands in those early years of human life on this earth. God's commands to be fruitful and to multiply, to cultivate and care for creation. He was out there building and hunting, and, fish, and fishing, and farming. He was growing his 300-year marriage, guarding his family, and shepherding multiple generations of children and grandchildren. This was not a life of spiritual activities and secular activities. No, this was Enoch, in all of his day-to-day -day rhythms, walking with God and doing life with him. Have you learned to integrate your life, to walk with God in all of the rhythms and relationships that you find yourself in? One more example, David, described as a man after God's own heart. He was in a desert one day, thirsty, desperate, under threat, and he passionately seeks the Lord. Psalm 63 begins like this. O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now these words have been a gift and a guide to me. When life is hard. And I see that the Lord is calling me to draw near to him and discover that he is all that I need. One man observed this. 
It's only into the thirst of an empty soul that the streams of living waters flow. How thirsty are you for God? How hungry are you for his presence? One final story to encourage you before we get into John 15. Now, you may be thinking, I cannot imagine that God would want to do life with me. My life is too much of a mess. Now, as I was preparing during the week, the Lord brought to mind the story of Zacchaeus. We hear about it in Luke 19. Zacchaeus was a bit of a rat bag of a character. He saw that people were gathering to, around the Lord Jesus and being a short man, he climbed a tree to be able to see. He was an outcast from society. And yet the Lord Jesus looks at him and the words of grace from Jesus to Zacchaeus on that day were simply this. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your place today. That's all Jesus said. Zacchaeus, I'm inviting myself into your life and it's happening now, today. How would you go with this? You might say, no, Lord, you can't come to my house today. The lawn is not mown. The dishes are piled up. The place is a pigsty. I can't allow you to step into my life when it is in such a mess. But such is the drama of grace. Jesus invites himself in to messy, dirty, scattered lives. He starts where we are at. Because relationship with him always begins with grace. How did this turn out for Zacchaeus? The word says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. His repentance and faith was embodied in his act of welcoming Jesus into his world. And you know how the story ends. He stands up and under conviction says, I'm going to pay back everything that I have stolen from anyone. Times four. I'm going to put right anything that I have done wrong to anyone. The result of Jesus stepping into his life and Zacchaeus welcoming him gladly was a dramatically transformed life that became visible for all to see. Now that's a little background as we head into John 15 and learn a little bit more. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for Mary and for Enoch and for David and for Zacchaeus. People like us who've walked this earth but they came to know you and they responded in faith and they sought you and they found you. Please continue to speak to us through this picture of a vine and its branches that we might grow this particular relationship with you. Amen. Now these words of Jesus were spoken on the night before his crucifixion. He'd celebrated a final Passover meal with his disciples in which he was preparing them for his departure. And in 1431, it tells us that they then left that upper room and made their way outside. 
Jesus took them to the Mount of Olives for one final moment of teaching before he would be led, um, led away by the betrayer. And he took them to a vineyard and he told them this parable. Now, I love how Jesus grounds his teaching and embodies spiritual life for us. He rarely used a classroom to teach his disciples. If we were truly learning this parable Jesus style this morning, we should all be heading up to St. Leonard's and join in at Chris and Ricky's place and start walking through the vineyard and enjoying the fruit of their vine as we listen to these words of Jesus. So perhaps as an alternative to that, gaze at this photo and let your childlike imagination be guided by the Spirit as you hear these words. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener, and you are the branches. If a person abides in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. Unless our lives are intimately connected with the Lord Jesus, we can do nothing. Our lives will be fruitless, meaningless, worthless, and like a dead branch, will one day be tossed aside. But if a branch remains connected with the vine and the life sap of the vine flows through the branch, the branch will bear much fruit and bring glory to the gardener. What a wonderfully simple but oh-so-rich parable, a picture of the union that exists between the Lord Jesus and the believer. I want us to notice two things. Firstly, the branches derive their life from the vine. Without the vine, the branch has no life. Branches are simply channels designed for sap to flow through. The sap gives life to the branch and evidences that life by producing fruit. In the same way, the believer receives life from the vine. There is no life outside of him. As believers, we're simply channels of his life. We don't generate life from inside ourselves. We're to receive life from him. And that life produces good fruit that blesses and brings glory to the Father. Secondly, the vine produces fruit through the branches. Without the branches, the vine cannot bear fruit. In the same way, the Lord Jesus distributes life and blessing to the world through his people. This is staggering. What an incredible honour and what an awesome responsibility. Now, we'll talk in a moment about what it means for us to remain or abide in the vine. But for now, let's just observe this incredible living connection that exists between the vine and the branch, the Lord Jesus and the believer. And notice it's the triune God at work in a wonderful life-giving unity. It's the Holy Spirit who makes this union possible. He applies the life of Jesus to all who believe. He does that inner work of transformation that becomes visible as he produces fruit 
in us and through us. And the Father is also at work as the gardener in the vineyard. Those branches with no life, he cuts off. But those living branches, he cuts and cleans and trims and prunes in order to increase their fruit-bearing capacity. What a wonderful picture of the spiritual life. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit united and bringing life to the believer and through the believer producing fruit to the glory of God. So abiding in Christ, how does a believer develop this living connection with the Lord? In the time we've got left, I want to get practical and just observe six things that I think this passage teaches us. The first, grace begins and establishes the relationship. Jesus says in 15.3, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remember Zacchaeus, the word of grace that came to him, I'm coming to your place today. Jesus is always the one who initiates the relationship, who makes the first move, who steps into our messy lives to find us as we are. He is the one who seeks and saves those who are lost. What does it mean to abide in Christ? It means to rest from our work of trying to clean up our own lives and simply to receive, to receive his kindness, his love, his grace. We are simply to welcome him and do it gladly. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Grace always comes first, but grace continues and sustains day by day forever. Jesus says in 15.5, if you remain in me and I remain in you. Now, as we consider God's part and our part in spiritual life, we can fall into some theological traps. The most succinct way that I've discovered to think through this involves three short phrases. God now me, God and me, and God in me. Let's look at each one. God, now me. Someone might say, God saved me and forgiven me and set me free. Now it's up to me to obey him and do the right thing. It's a life that's full of shoulds and musts and have tos. It begins with grace, but then it works and it strives, and it results in discouragement and despair. So we may then try a God and me approach to living for God. We might say God has done his part, I must do my part, but I need to ask him for help every now and then. Now this is where many believers are at, trying hard to live for God, and asking for his help along the way. But we have still not quite discovered the way of Jesus. God in me. 
Remember Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me. Remember Colossians 2. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and established in him and strengthened in the faith. The joy and mystery of the way of Jesus is this, to discover that I am a branch and he is the vine and he lives his life in us and through us. We simply trust and obey as he does his living through us. Now, when we grasp this, God in me, what should we do? I'd suggest we just get out of the way and let's go with the flow. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's be open channels so that the life of Christ can bring goodness and blessing wherever we go. Number three, how do we abide in Christ? We draw near to Jesus. And we treasure his words. He says in 15.7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you. As we spend time in his presence receiving and treasuring his words, turning and tuning our hearts to him, the Holy Spirit shapes us and forms us into his image. This is how the life of Christ is formed in us. In 1515, Jesus extends this further when he says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but friends. What's the difference in these two relationships? A servant does not know his master's business, but I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. Friendship is open, trusting disclosure of the inner secrets of the heart. Now, we talked in message number two, come and learn. We thought about our rhythms of spending time with the Lord, time with him to treasure him and his words. How are you going with those rhythms? Are you meeting with him? each morning and did you take up the challenge of not just meeting briefly but lingering for longer some of you might have seen a change in your husband or your wife you might have snuck a look in your spouse's diary and thought I never knew my husband was so important I look at his diary and I see meeting with VIP every day I never knew my wife was so connected. She's out walking with VIPs every afternoon. How is your time with the Lord going? Is it a daily practice of drawing near to him? It's time with the Lord that brings lasting change. So here's a new challenge for this month. Take half a day and spend it with the Lord. And give him your full attention. 
Now, if you've never done this before, Linda and I were challenged to do this some time ago, and it took some adjusting. We needed to work out how do we spend extended time with the Lord. And there are lots of ideas. It may be involving time in creation, time listening to music, time doing prayer walks or listening to the Bible on audio, sitting with the Psalms and praying them. It may involve some fasting. There are many options and ideas, but it begins with a desire to be with the Lord and give undivided attention to him and extend that for, for some time. So my, may I suggest that sometime this afternoon, you pull out your calendar, look at the next month and allocate a half day to be with the Lord. If you're a married person, you may sit together. You may need to plan the logistics so that each of you are freed up for half a day. And if you're finding the die rising a little bit difficult, let Linda and I know. Let's catch up for a meal in the next month to talk about it. But I'll let you know, we may just cancel right at the last minute. And there's your half day. You see how we can bend our calendars to meet with one another. What if we bent our calendars? to get our priorities right and have some extended time with the Lord. Number four, we pray to the Lord confident that we will receive. Jesus continues in 15.7 with a promise. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. As Jesus makes known to us all that he learns from the Father, then our prayers will align more and more with his heartbeats. We start to earnestly pray that the Father would be glorified in all that we do, that lost people would come and find life in Jesus, that we would bear fruits and that it would be for his glory. Now, it's in this context that we're given this amazing promise. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given. What great freedom for us as exuberant children to come to our heavenly father and play, pray in line with his desires and joys. Now, there have been many times when I've asked and not received. You might resonate with that. It causes us to go and examine our hearts, to draw near to the Lord and to seek his will. Am I seeking what brings him joy and delight? The Lord has gently disciplined my heart in those times, showing me that what I was actually asking for was not what I truly desired as a child of God, seeking the glory of my Father. This is the purifying and refining process that happens as we abide in Christ and as we treasure his words. The whatever that we wish for then reflects the heart of Jesus. Number five, we love and obey the Lord wholeheartedly and unreservedly. 
According to Jesus, love and obedience and joy are linked. Look at verses 9 and 11. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Now the father-son relationship is our example here. The son basks in the comprehensive love of the father. And the son delights to do the father's will. This is the supreme example of a perfect relationship of love. Wholehearted giving of one to the other. And it brings joy to both. Now our our hearts do not naturally operate like this. Most of us like to examine the job description. Consider this example. If Steve was to make an announcement at the end of today's service, I need a volunteer. Most of us would wait, wanting to know what is the task that Steve has for us. But the true heart of a volunteer just says, I will. I'm in. I'm happy for details to come later because that is the heart of a volunteer. So consider this approach to your day tomorrow. Let's think that tomorrow morning you and I are given a sheet of paper and it's an outline of the day to come. Most of the page is blank except what's written at the top and at the bottom. At the top are the words, the day to come, details to follow. At the bottom are the words, with a heart full of love for my heavenly father, I commit wholeheartedly and unreservedly to do anything and everything that my father may choose to write on this page because I know all his ways are good. And then there's a place for you to sign your name. How would you go beginning each day with that sort of um, challenge? Would you be able, with a heart of being a volunteer, would you be able to simply sign your name and say, yes, I'm in, I'm involved, Let's do the day as you decide what it is for me to be doing. Abiding in Christ is expressed in this wholehearted and daily surrender to the Lord. This is how how the Lord Jesus relates to his Father. It's a relationship of love and obedience and joy. And it's also to be the way of all who abide in him. Now, don't ever think of the commands of the Lord as a burden. For those who abide in Christ, to wholeheartedly and unreservedly love and obey him is a joy and a privilege. It's the natural outflow of the life of Christ within the believer. 
One final point to consider, number six. We love one another. Again, the Lord Jesus is our model here. 1512 says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And it's so important that he repeats it again in 1517. If we are branches with living connection to the vine, then we will overflow with self-giving love for others. Love is the wonderful fruit that results from a life of abiding in Christ. And by our love for one another, people will recognise that we are disciples of Jesus. Love one another as I have loved you. Let's consider that for the final moments. The next 24 hours of the life of Jesus shows us what this means. They leave the vineyard and after some teaching on persecution and a wonderful prayer for his disciples and all of us that will follow, Jesus moves into the Garden of Gethsemane. He wrestles with his father, knowing what is being asked of him and yet he wholeheartedly and unreservedly commits to doing his father's will. Then the betrayer comes and he's arrested and he's tortured and he's mocked and he's humiliated and he's abandoned and he's crucified and he's left to die alone. Now we observed earlier that the believer's relationship with the Lord is the one relationship that death does not break. The believer is with the Lord in the body and then with the Lord in glory. But this was not true for Jesus. His death was the one death of a believer that did break connection with the Lord. The Father and the Son were willing to endure that separation so that you and I will never have to, so that we can pass through death with no break. Such is the love of God for people like you and me. Now, three men died on crosses that day. The man on his right died in his sin. His fists were clenched. He was unwilling to let go of, his, of the idols of his heart. The man in the middle, he died for our sin. His hands open to receive nails so that death would die forever. The man on the left, he saw and he believed. His hands were open to receive life from Jesus. He became a new branch, grafted into the vine. And he spent those final hours dying, but dying with the Lord. And then he passed through death. And he was with the Lord in glory. Now I said before that Jesus died alone. It's not completely true, is it? I saw this this morning. He died alongside a new believer. 
a new brother, a new friend. You can imagine the Father and the Spirit saying to Jesus, Jesus, we gave this one new life at just a time as this to be an encouragement to you. He is the first of many to come who will see and believe. Yes, a separation is coming. It will grieve us greatly. But we are willing and your blood that is being shed will flow through the veins of believers like this one. Your death will end death. We will resurrect you soon and the new age of eternal life will begin. We are with you. You are not alone. Now it's time to pray. We're going to pray with a little difference this morning. We're going to pray with our bodies. We teach the Sunday school kids this every now and then, that you can pray without words. Your bodies can pray. So we're going to all stand, and then I'll talk you through it. Let's stand. In a moment, we'll close our eyes. And I'm going to invite you to place your hands in a position that aligns with the posture of your heart. You may put one hand in the air saying, I'm going to volunteer. <laughs> Whatever the Lord writes on that page, I'm willing. You might put both hands in the air as an expression that you are wanting to live for the glory of God. You might have both hands open in front of you, not clenched, but releasing all of those idols, all of those things that are capturing your hearts and have those hands empty, ready and willing to receive. You may choose to sit, you may choose to kneel, but what is the posture of your heart? And using your body Pray it without words. We're going to be singing a song straight after. So after I say amen, we'll stay standing and we'll sing. But let's close our eyes and just have some silence. And place your hands as you would choose. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have taught us a lot today. There is so much here for us to learn. But we know that apart from you, we are nothing. But as we are connected with you, the living vine, we trust and believe that you are able to do that work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. We pray that you would continue to work in our lives, to move us, to draw near to you and to treasure your words and to become like you so that our prayers would be prayers that the Lord Jesus would pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your mysterious work that we do not fully understand, but we trust in. We pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us 
that we would turn from sin, that we would look to the Lord Jesus in faith and that we would keep in step with you. We pray that each morning, as we look to our day, that we will look to you and receive what we need. We pray that you would help us as we head into our days to put aside our agendas and simply seek and desire to know you and to live for you. We pray that we would not do that in our strength. We pray that you would teach us what it means to have God in me and that we would follow your lead and trust you and obey you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying that death 2,000 years ago. Thank you for being willing to do the Father's will, being willing to give of yourself so that death could be dead and that we could experience life. We thank you for time together and time in this special little parable. Please continue to speak and continue to grow us to be more and more like you. Amen.